Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Sure, it's uh, such an interesting moment with Abigail last night. Uh, it's our seven-year-old and um, she's had this thing. She's quite intense about certain things. and She's had this thing that God doesn't speak to her. And then she asked me, but why doesn't God speak to her? And I explained, you know, God doesn't necessarily speak audibly to all of us, or not often. But He does speak through His Word, and when we read the Bible, then God is speaking to us. And she gets that, but she has such an amazing desire to hear God's voice in, in different ways. So I said, but sometimes He speaks to people, and she gets that. But then yesterday, last night, and she's had dreams before significant dreams. Um, she knows that, you know, for instance, that God told her in a dream that we were going to move back from England to South Africa. She was only four at the time, so that's quite something. And um, so she knows that. She's had that experience. But last night she said, she said she, she asked me about something. She said sometimes she, she sees a picture of something and then it happens exactly like that. Like, really? <laughs> so I was asked her to explain a little bit. So yes, sometimes she, she gets a picture in her mind, and then later it, it happens exactly like the picture. And we chatted about it a bit, and I was like, wow, that's quite amazing. And I was explaining to you, often God speaks to us through pictures. And then we prayed around, around what, what she should do with these pictures that she gets. But isn't that precious? Isn't that uh, she has this desire, and also that that she's excited about, about God giving her pictures. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm excited to see how this progresses and uh, see what God will do. But it, it encourages me for us to stay hungry, um, to, to see and to hear from God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. Lord, we thank you that, that you are our teacher, Holy Spirit, and we welcome you in this place. And we ask that you would direct us. We ask that you would transform us and shape us and mold us. We ask that you would lead us into all truth. And we ask that your name will be glorified in our midst this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to look at the uh, book of James this morning. And uh, I, I borrowed a title from Timothy Keller. This is actually a book that he wrote with this title. I haven't read the book, but I thought the title is amazing. And this is called James, a faith that comes down to earth. And the book of James, I mean, he's known for writing about, uh, you know, without faith, you know, without works, your faith is dead. You know, he's kind of digging into that concept, and he's well known for that. Uh, this morning, we won't look at that specifically. We'll just look at ch chapter 1, and we won't even be able to cover the whole chapter 1. We'll just cover a few bits and pieces. But James was the brother of Jesus. The younger brother, right? Because obviously Jesus was already conceived before his parents got married, so that was a problem. But um, so Jesus, James was his younger brother, and uh, he was the head of the church in Jerusalem, and uh, he was basically, at one point, clearly the head of of the church as it spread from Jerusalem. So even, even among the apostles, he was, um, he was the leader. And uh, um, he was also martyred. Um, and 
for his faith, as most of the apostles were. So yeah, this is uh, interesting to hear from, from a man that knew Jesus in a way that is a bit different than most of the other apostles. But um, yeah, so let's read. I'm going I'm to read the whole thing, James chapter 1. So uh, we're going to read it at a good pace and just hang in with me. And then we're going to zoom in on one or two specific ones. Okay, specific parts. Let's do this. James chapter 1. This, this letter is from James, a slave of God. I'm, I'm reading the whole chapter from the New Living Translation, and every zoom in, we, I'm going to use the Amplified a bit. Okay. This letter is from James, a slave of God and the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you, have, you know that when your faith is tested... Your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I think if we, if we read that last bit, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. We, we like that part. That sounds really blessed. Um, you know, having been fully developed, but necessarily don't like the, the, the verses leading up to that. Let's just read the whole thing first. Um, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask your generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast about that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. And remember that when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And we, out of all creation, became His prized possession. Understanding this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen. <coughs> quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness of God, the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. So don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if, if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious 
but don't control your tongue. You are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. There we go. That's chapter 1. There's quite a lot in there, isn't there? Um, he's, he doesn't beat around the bush. He gets right in there, and he addresses a whole bunch of things. And, and as you, if you read through the rest of James, his letter to Jewish believers, you'll see that uh, he addresses quite a number of key issues which he feels need to be addressed amongst the churches that he's writing to and the believers. So there's quite a lot there. So I want to encourage you to go and read through it. Um, so I, was, I want us to look at a couple of these key points here. Even in this one chapter, there's a lot to, to think about and a lot to wrestle through. So I want us to just look at one or two bits. I'm already running out of time, so maybe we'll get to the first few of them. Okay, let's look at um, verses 2 to 4 in the Amplified, and then we'll look what there's a progression here. And then also 2 to 4 and 12 to 15. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. And verse 12, Blessed, happy, spiritually prosperous, and favored by God is the man who is steadfast under trial and, pers and perseveres when tempted. For when he has passed the test and, and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm temp being tempted by God, for temptation does not originate from God, but from our own flaws. For God cannot be tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each one is tempted when he is dragged away, enticed and baited to commit sin by his own worldly desires, lust, and passion. Then when the illicit desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin has run its course, it gives birth to death. And uh, these are well-known scriptures, these verses. And uh, often, you know, it's, it's, it, it's um, again, not such a popular thing to think about the trials and the testing. But there's an interesting progression that happens here, which I want us to look, briefly look at and uh, just quickly pull apart a little bit. So if we can go to the next one. I wonder if it's, oh, it should be big enough. So we see there with these two bits, if we put them together and we read them kind of together, we see there's a progression that happens here. Firstly, we see there's a reality of trials. Now, he speaks about two kinds of things here coming across the path. He speaks about trials, and he also speaks about temptations. And uh, I suppose, you know, we, we can sometimes overlap, but there's a, there's a we see there's the result of these things that come, come across our path is tested faith. So we can spend a lot of time around how the where they come from, etc. But we, we recognize that there are things that come across our path that God allows. Things that are not comfortable, things that are not easy, 
things that are difficult. There's suffering involved often. There's change that needs to happen. There's difficult seasons we go through, that we wrestle through, and God allows these in our, in our lives. And as far as temptations go, James specifically says that temptation is not, does not come from God. So that's important to know that God does not tempt us, that He allows us to be tempted. And luckily, Scripture says He always provides a way of escape. There's always provision when there's temptation. He allows us to endure temptation, but He always, in every temptation, gives a way of escape. Gives, he's already provided a way. He's provided, already made a way out. And I just want to, isn't that a blessing for us to, to realize that yes, when we do face temptation, we can look for the way out because it is there. We know. Before I fall for this thing, I know God has already made a way out for me. God has already prepared a way of escape. So we, they are real. They, they, we face them. The trials God allows and when you're in a trial, and when you're in a difficult season, um, Pastor Fred always used to say, when you're going through hell, don't stop. Okay, which is a good tip for anyone. Don't park in hell, all right? Move through, <laughs> move on, keep moving. But uh, on the other hand, also don't run away. So don't avoid the trials. Don't try and completely dodge the trials, but rather run towards God. So we, we often have have this impulse of, of kind of isolating ourselves, building a wall around ourselves, trying to figure stuff out, trying to sort ourselves out. Um, and I just, I, I spoke with somebody this week, it's not in church, but they're wrestling through some hectic stuff, and um, the lady is basically doing this. She's, she's in a place of, of wrestling through so many things, and, and over many years, she's built this defense system around herself, and it's quite scary to see the place that she's in now in terms of a believer that's unable to receive ministry from anybody. And it has put herself in a place where she's completely isolated and it's quite a hectic situation. So don't do that. Don't run away from the body. Don't run away from God, but rather run towards God's provision and towards the support and the encouragement we receive from our, our family in Christ. So then, okay, so faith is tested. And in different parts of Scripture, we see this image of faith being tested as through fire. Right? We see heat and pressure. When metal goes through heat and pressure, extremely, you know, in extremes, we see the impurities come out. The impurities are revealed. They come to the surface. Stuff surfaces that you're not really blessed to see. Okay? And uh, often when we work through marriage counseling or even marriage preparation, we encourage the guys, listen, marriage and being a parent makes stuff come up. You know? <laughs> that that the thought was already dealt with long ago. And then sure enough, now you're in a, in a close relationship and you're in a relationship where you're no longer number one or if you save number two, you're now maybe number six because there's a dog somewhere involved as well and there's a bunch of children and there's your, all the selfish buttons are being pressed, and these things come up. And, uh, and there's a fire that happens, and stuff is being purified. And, but it's actually so precious. Because it's precious because in, in, a, in a case of precious metals, when all the impurities have gone, it's beautiful. 
and it reflects the glory of God, right? But um, it's precious because how do we know our faith is really worth something unless it has been tested? How do we know that our trust in God is strong unless it's been put under pressure a little bit? I've mentioned that a few times, but when I was still studying engineering way back, uh, we did these great tests. And for maybe it's just for guys, but it was so fascinating for us. We could break stuff. Um, so you would have these amazing machines that pull stuff apart and put pressures on stuff. And you basically just stress test metals and stuff. And it's really amazing um, because you kind of see what happens after this thing is being pulled apart for, you know, under so many tons of, you know, uh, you know, and then, or you, you squash stuff and you see what happens. Uh, it's really fascinating. But um, unless you've done that testing on a product or on a cable or whatever you're building, you will not know what this thing is capable of. You'll not know. And, and the, the amazing thing is that our manufacturer, he knows. He knows what he's put inside of you. So even when you feel you're going to burst apart, you, the pressure's too much, or you're being pulled apart, or it's too much, the fire's too hot, the pressure's too much, the trial is too severe, know that your manufacturer, the one that put, has put you together, he will not test you beyond what you are able to bear. Amen. And he, will put, he has put that stamp on you to say, this son or daughter of mine is able to handle this. And in the end, their life will bring so much more glory to God. So, so there's, a precious, there's a precious process. Okay, so our, 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 the result is that we have a, our, there's a testing of our faith. And then there's the result of that is steadfastness, endurance, perseverance. You can add to that. And these, interestingly enough, these things are not, if you think about what is celebrated in society, these things aren't celebrated often anymore. In fact, the, the quick thing is often celebrated. The quick solution or the get rich quick thing is, yeah, that's what we want to go for. The quick solution or the two steps, no, no longer the ten steps. We know like this, I just want two steps to get this thing right. But the, the endurance, the perseverance, the you know, steadfastness is not really celebrated. But yet, uh, in, in the God's economy, this is such, of such importance for us to be come, to come to a place where we are um, able to endure. Specifically, you know, in marriage, in, in family, in, even in, um, maybe in sport it's celebrated, right? In sport we see people get celebrated when they can run 100 miles, stuff like that. What Nas and the guys run, do this ridiculous event. But, uh, so we celebrate it in sports, and I have respect for that. But how about we celebrate this kind of thing in life? And uh, interestingly enough, we, um, when we look at the way we parent, parent our children these days, endurance is not high on the list of what a child is aspiring to either. And when, you, when we in parent in a way that's child-centered... In other words, when we, when we center our families around the child, and our, then what often happens is the comfort of the child is of utmost importance. 
comfort and peace and tranquility and everything for the child is the, is the end goal. <laughs> and we'd laugh about this, but think about it. How often do you see a child screaming for, I'm thirsty or I'm, I'm hungry, and, and everything else has to stop to sort out. I'm not talking about newborn babies, okay? Don't get me wrong. Talking about maybe from toddler size, you know, when a child is, it seems like they're going to die right there if they don't get there what they want now. And somehow in a, we, we tend to gravitate to the way the world is going and we tend to think everything else must stop because I just want this noise to end now. But the problem is if we don't deal with that if we don't handle that well, that noise will just, that will just increase and get worse. And when they're teenagers, it will not be funny anymore. So, I don't know, this is not part of this sermon, but maybe it's for somebody out there. Um, the, <clears throat> you know, that, that cry for, I want something to drink right now. We're actually, what we did at ours, we put something in the fridge. So there's a little tap. So there's water in there. Get a tap so they can help themselves to water. It's changed our lives. It's amazing. It's a miracle. And uh, so they can, whenever <laughs> they can have a drink, so they will at least not dehydrate, okay? But uh, for, to tell a child, listen, we, you can't have something to drink now. Maybe, you know, in the middle of the rugby practice, we have, I have these four-year-olds coming up to me. Can I go drink a wa- some water? I say, no, you can't drink water now. I look shocked, you know. <laughs> so, no, you can't drink water now. Um, there will be a break halfway. We have a break. We'll have water. And you'll see the first few times, it's like, uh, and normally, you know, they can have water right now. And, uh, but it's so healthy for us to teach our children to persevere. The delayed gratification lesson. It's also healthy for adults, but it's better if they can learn it when they're children. Amen? Have you heard about the marshmallow test? Or whatever, they can do it with anything else. So you put... You put uh, one marshmallow in front of the child and tell them, listen, if you can wait, depending on the age of the child, five minutes or two minutes, before you, if you can wait, you, if you want to eat it now, you only get one. But if you wait, wait two or three minutes or five minutes if they're older, you, or 20 minutes if they're a bit older, you can have two. <laughs> it's so fascinating to see uh, how, how that pans out. And unfortunately, like I said, even adults struggle with that. But um, perseverance, endurance comes from our faith being tested. And then it's the progression goes on to a place where we are complete, the Scripture says. Now, I'm not going to unpack this a lot, but in my book that means I'm more like Christ. And complete, maybe that means just when Christ calls us home, when we are actually perfected and we are transformed completely to be, exact, to be like Him. So isn't that what we're aiming for? Isn't that what we're trusting for, to, to be transformed into His image, to be changed, to be more like Christ-like? And then at the end there we see He speaks about the crown of life, which is, I believe it happens in eternity, the crown of life. Um, that he has prepared for us. Now, I, w- I want to get back to that a little bit later, but I want to just to look at one or two um, brief things, and I won't be able to get to all of it, but let's go to James um, the, the chapter 1, 5 to 8. If you need wisdom, 
ask our generous God and He will give it to you. This is not amplified. Anyways, uh, oh yeah, I, I left this in the new, new Living for a reason. Okay, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a sea, as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything they do. I remember reading this scripture many times, specifically New King James, um, different translations, and it Often the first thing we get in our heads is somebody that doubts, right? That's what the, the wording is used there. Um, somebody that's wrestling with doubt or questions. And, but this adds a little bit of a different dynamic, which I want us to point, point out to. He says, it speaks about divided loyalty. It speaks about our heart being divided, and we are having a, a, a wrestle through Divided loyalties. And that's a, something, a little bit of a different dynamic than just doubting. Isn't that true? And, um, and it, says, it says here, but when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. And how often is this a struggle that we want to put our faith 100% into God, but somewhere uh, it's, it's, uh, it seems prudent to have a plan B. To have a backup plan, especially those of us that like to plan and have, <coughs> have like three um, backup plans. Uh, I remember, I, oh, I joke about this, but uh, this friend of ours, that she shared with us, oh, she's really putting her faith out. She's trusting God for new tires for a car. That if God doesn't come through, she'll just put it on the credit card. I was like, <laughs> you know, and we chuckle about it, but isn't that often how we think? Isn't that often how we operate? Maybe not only in our finance, but really praying through this, really trusting. But in my back of my mind, I have a plan B, and I have. If if this doesn't come through, I've got another few options. And this is challenging for me because he says, "Yeah, make sure that your faith is in God alone." It seems to me, yeah, he says. Don't have a plan, backup plan in your own flesh. And the challenge with this is often God's provision comes in a different way than we expected. And then we are either disappointed or we want to go back to plan B or plan C because God's provision is different. It looks different. It comes maybe in a different packaging that we hoped for or were looking for. But this divided loyalty is a very powerful thing. And and we see this in, also in marriage. We, uh, we often advise couples, especially young couples that are wrestling through things, to not, to not to make their first port of call their close family if they're having re- struggles in their relationship with their spouse. Because what happens is if you're wrestling with your, you're having a, a discussion or a disagreement, <laughs> Put it nicely, mildly. So if you're having a discussion or a disagreement with your spouse and, and something happens and there's a bit of a, a thing that you're working through, don't run to your mom or your dad or your sister. Because what will happen there is their loyalty will be 100% with you. And your spouse will be the bad guy from that day forward. 
even when you have dealt with that thing, even if you've forgiven each other five minutes later, they will have that thing in their heart, in their mind for years. And that will affect their relationship with your spouse for a long time. Can you see that? And uh, so because of, what, because of this power of loyalty, and, and there will be a bit of a divided loyalty, but not a not lot, <laughs> because their loyalty will be with their child or their sibling or whatever the case may be. So watch out for that. But th- that I've, seen, I've seen people wrestle through challenges in um, not just in marriage, but in, in family relationships. And where the moment where it's like when parents get divorced, there's this massive crisis because of this thing, this divided loyalty. What do I do now? So how, how do I choose sides? So can you see that our hearts are not in a good space if our hearts are divided? And this is what he says here. He says, where their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Cannot expect to operate in faith if our hearts are divided. And I'm, I'm challenged by this because there are moments when I realize my, my heart is not 100% trusting in God now. And I believe that that's the time when we have to be like King David in the Bible and actually speak to our soul and say, soul, <laughs> hope in God. Be still. <laughs> Don't moan now. Don't, don't get all panicky on me now. Focus. You need to trust in God. Amen? So there's this powerful thing of us um, guarding against our hearts being divided. Let's go on. Okay, I wanted to say something about being quick to hear and slow to speak. But let me just read. I'm just going to read this and amplify it. And I'm going to move on because I have to finish now. Understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear, be careful, thoughtful listener. I think this is a word for some husbands here this morning. Everyone be quick to hear, be a careful, thoughtful listener. This husband included. Slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and slow to anger. Patient, reflective, forgiving. Maybe that's for the ladies. But (laughs) for the... For the resentful, deep-seated anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, that standard of behavior which he requires from us. And again, the world says otherwise. The world says, you know, make sure you stand up, fight for your rights, be, you know, it's not a problem to be upset or angry or something. But he says here that the, the, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And the scripture says that when we want to fight, yeah, actually we need to step back and allow God to fight on our behalf. When we want to go ballistic and fight for our rights, He actually says, let me fight for you. Humble yourself and I will raise you up. And that I found is probably sometimes the most difficult thing to do is to take a step or two back when all I want to do is fight and m- make war and stand up and and God says, no, just take three steps back. Let me handle this. You're just going to mess it up. You're just going to make a mess of things. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let's go on. Okay, I'm going to... I'm just going to skip to read this next, this next bit from verse 21. Let's go on. Thank you. 
So get rid of all uncleanness and all that remains of wickedness, and with a humble spirit receive the word of God, which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, actively, continually obeying God's precepts, and not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. To not merely be listeners, but doers of the word. And, you know, it just brings back to this the time of elections. Never mind everything else, but how do we apply Scripture when we make a decision like this? And... I want us to go out there and challenge fellow believers and challenge one another. How can we apply the word by how we vote? Something Philip said those three weeks ago really challenged me. He said that going the way we vote, making that cross is one of the ways, one of the most um, powerful ways that we have to stand up for Christ, to make a stand for what we believe in. Isn't that powerful? So, so that's one of the greatest opportunities that we have to actually take a stand for the gospel is by the way that we vote. And I want to encourage us with that. So, so it says here, get rid of the uncleanness and all that remains of wickedness and with a humble spirit receive the word which is implanted, rooted in our hearts, which is able to save our souls. How often... When we're in that, in that moment of wrestling, in that moment of struggle, the word is already there. Like the way of escape, as I mentioned before, is already there. The word that is able to save our souls is already in our hearts. And the most important for us is to actually allow the Holy Spirit to remind us. That little voice that says that, that you convict you of the truth. And I'm, I'm just as guilty. Often I just want to ignore that little voice because I wanna, I've already made up my mind. I want to run after something. But the, the Word is already in our hearts. The Word that is able to save our souls. Amen. That's what I'm trusting for with my children. That, that if, if I can get the Word in them enough, it will save their souls. Even though there's valleys, even though there may be difficult seasons, even though... They, may f- they will face hectic things. I'm trusting that that word that is rooted in their hearts will save their souls. Amen. Okay. Let's skip over the next bit. Um, I want us to close with just looking back at the bit where he speaks about the crown of life. Don't worry about it. I'll just read it from here. So he says here, <coughs> So God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. And this is an interesting thing because the verses before, He speaks about our faith being tested, and we spoke about this at length. So our faith is tested through trials and temptations. 
And then he says, he talks about endurance. He talks about us being complete. And then he says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing, that exact testing of our faith that we've been talking about and temptation. And he says, afterward, they will receive the crown of life. But then he says that not that God has promised to those who endure in faith or those who trust in him, or th- but he says, or those whose faith has been tested and found strong enough, whatever he says, you receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So we see that there's such a, he, James equates something here, he says that our faith um, has, is very closely connected to our love for God and our trust of God. We cannot take those, put them apart. He says that you know, God has promised this to those who love him. So, so if we think about just our faith in Christ, just to pull that apart about a bit, is to do with our love of God and the way that we trust him, the way that we're able to, to trust him. And uh, exact, as we mentioned before, is our trust completely 100% in him? Or is there a plan B or a plan C? Or is there a backup even in the way I approach my work, in the way I approach my marriage, in my family situation, my job, do I put my trust in Him? And then, so in terms of faith, we can look at it like this. It's receiving Christ, and we receive Christ in different ways. We receive Him as Savior. We receive Him as Lord. We receive Him as Counselor, because, I mean, you can, you can be maybe terrified of God and you can serve him like a slave but maybe you still don't love him or you can you can you know believe that there is something like a God even like the demons do but there's something else of actually receiving Christ as Savior following him as Lord him being our counselor following his counsel following his ways but then added to this is receiving Christ as the object object of our love. In other words, our treasure. If you remember that where Jesus speaks about the man that the kingdom of God is like a man who finds a treasure in a field and he hides it again and he runs off and sells everything that he has and he does whatever he needs to do to be able to buy that field. Something that somebody that gets that gives everything up for this treasure that he's found. So receiving Christ not only means that we receive him as the object of our affection, the object of our worship, the object of our love. We receive him as a as treasure as well. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Let's pray. <coughs> Let's just bring our hearts before God. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you know us so well. You know us better than we know ourselves, Lord. You know the condition of our hearts. You know the trials that we've already been through, Lord. You know the temptations that we have endured. You know the temptations that we have fallen for, Lord. 
Thank you that you still love us the same. Thank you that you've, your provision for us remains unchanged, Lord. That the, the finished work of the cross remains the same. And thank you, Lord, that even as you are, you know that what we have already endured, but you also know what lies ahead. You also know what, what we are yet to endure, what we are yet to be tested by. And we humbly come, Lord. Bring our hearts before you. And we ask that you would give us grace that our hearts would not be divided, Lord, in Jesus' name. This morning we acknowledge, Lord, that often when the world tells us not to put our eggs in one basket, Lord, the world tells us not to, to, to have only one plan. The world tells us that it's good to have contingencies ready but Lord, when we declare this morning that when it comes to life, when it comes to following you, we put our trust in you alone, God. God, in the name of Jesus, we, we repent of times when our hearts are divided, Lord, when our loyalties are divided. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you press on every heart in this place. Maybe there's something that you've been talking to us about or been saying to specific people and there's been a wrestling going on. I thank you this morning for grace to, to set us, to put to, you know, to quieten every voice of doubt and every voice of confusion and to speak to our souls to say hope in God alone. Lord, that we would truly be able to put our trust in you 100%. And we want to pray like that father in the scripture that Jesus encountered him. Say, Lord, we believe, but help us in our unbelief. Deliver us from unbelief. Help us to grow in the way that we trust you, Lord. Lord, our desire truly is that when our faith has been tested, when the impurities have come up, Lord, that when you deliver us from our selfishness and so much uncleanness, as James writes, Lord, writes truly that our lives will bring glory to your name, that we would be complete like Jesus, that we would reflect your glory in a magnificent, glorious way, Lord, that all of our lives would magnify your name, that even if nobody would remember our names, Lord, or even the name of our church or our family name, but that, Lord, that they would know and remember your name, because that's why we live. As every eyes closed this morning, if you are here this morning and some of this doesn't make sense, some of this doesn't seem to relate, because Right now, you know you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you've been around church or you've, maybe you've been at a point where you've had a relationship with Him, but right now, you know you are far from God. And you know and you are convicted that you need to come close to Him again, that you need to draw near to Him again. I believe the Father is waiting with open arms. And even if you've never been in a relationship with Him, this morning He's inviting you to receive 
His gift of salvation. The gift that He gave when He gave His Son to die in our place. When He gave His Son to carry our sin. When He gave His Son to carry our guilt and our shame and our pain and our sickness. When He gave His Son to stand in our place. He demonstrated His love for you and for me, for every soul. And if you this morning have a conviction in your heart that you want to, you're ready to lay down your life and you're ready to receive this gift of salvation that we have in Jesus, it would be my privilege to pray with you this morning. So as, as every eye is closed in this place, if that's you this morning, if you want to respond to God's invitation of eternal life, or if you want to return back to Him, won't you raise your hand just for a moment? And I'd love to pray with you if that's possible. Is there anybody like that this morning? Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you that as we humble our hearts this morning, we ask, Lord, that this word that is rooted in our hearts will bear fruit, Lord, for your glory. And, Lord, that it will save our souls. God, that you would deliver us from place of pursuing comfort above all else, a place of having three backup plans, Lord. But thank you that you're inviting us to join you on a journey, an adventure of following you with no holds barred, Lord, with no backup plans, Lord. Thank you that it's a roller coaster ride, Lord, but thank you that it's the best thing, the best place, the safest place, because it's where you have called us to be. And I, I speak hope and over every heart again. I speak new boldness over every heart, Lord, to trust in you. To keep our hearts wholly trusting in you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And even as we go from this place, Lord, even this week, pray, Lord, that you would give us grace to embrace the tests, Lord, and to run into your arms. Grab a hold of every provision that you've made, the, your grace that is a, in abundance for every situation and every moment. And thank you, Lord, that we can look towards the crown of life that you have prepared for those who love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to spend some time praying in the front here. If you, if you want to agree with somebody in prayer about what? God has been working in your heart. Maybe you've been double-minded about something. Maybe there's been a divided loyalty in your heart about something specific. Won't you take a moment to pray with somebody about that? Maybe you're in a situation where you've been wrestling through trials and it's, it seems like it's just not stopping. Maybe you're a little bit discouraged and you just need somebody to agree with you and pray and trust God for His provision. Please take a moment to either come to the front or pray with somebody next to you. But let's trust God for His provision. Amen. If you have any other prayer need, whether it be healing or financial or whatever prayer need you may have, please be bold to ask that somebody can pray with you. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here this morning. Please join us for some refreshments. And if, you, if you're not yet in a small group um, and you're keen to visit one, please uh, inquire at the info table. Guys will be able to put you into contact or at least take down your details. Have a wonderful day. We're having a service this evening, so please join us if you're able to. God bless you, and uh, we'll see you soon. 
Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.